Welcome back to the TD Ameritrade Network, live from Denver at Schwab's Impact Conference. I'm joined by Omar Aguilar to talk about the Fed and more, the CEO and CIO at Schwab Asset Management. Omar, great to see you again. Good to see you. Okay, big day today, not just here. We're having a little, lot of fun in Denver. Today's going to be a big day here, uh, working with advisors and investors. But of course, in the backdrop of this, we've got Jerome Powell on the Fed today. What do you think the market expects? Well, you know, if we uh, think about, you know, what today is, and I sort of joke with a lot of people in the last couple of days to say like, well, the Fed meeting today is the most important meeting until the next Fed meeting. Right. <laughs> Which obviously, uh, it's a lot of that has to do with the fact that the expectations going into the meeting are pretty high. If you actually look at the performance of the market in October, it sort of reminds us a lot of what happened in the summer, where, you know, people expected back then a Fed pivot and thinking about things were going to change dramatically. Well, it seems to be that a lot of what happens now it's called about the step down, yeah. which means that everybody's expecting the Fed to slow down the rate increases. Going into the next you know, Fed meeting, who's going from 75 to 50 basis points. And I think the expectation of anything that the Fed may say, you know, out, uh, uh, with respect to the step down or the process or the pace, will probably be what the market is expecting. I would probably say expectations are high that the step down will come. And I think anything that says one way or another will probably be you know, interpreted you know, in a way that the market will swing. How much do you think uh, Powell can commit to something specific like a set level of increases of 50 or 75, or will he still hide behind the data dependency and try and avoid having to pin that tail on the docking? Yeah, again, if, you, if we go back to you know the experience they already had, you know, just not too long ago, like in the summer, yeah. you know, not. Uh, expectation is he's not going to commit. The expectation is he's going to leave it wide open. He's going to actually leave his options open to avoid having to go back what he did back then with the Jackson Hole, you know, speech. Right. You know, making sure that you know he understands that yes, the Fed is here to fight inflation. The Fed is here to continue to raise rates. The Fed has a, a target of two percent inflation target in the medium term, and I think a big part of that discussion will face on you know the. The, the kind of ancillary discussion that he may have in terms of how much he lacks. And what is interesting about the language that he might use is to say, like, well, does he think that this is going to be painful? And I think that is probably what the market might be thinking about, whether or not the Fed is worried about recession, and that may determine the pace of the Fed increases going forward. In the data, when it comes to data dependency, do you think the evidence is compelling right now that they need to do something different? Are we seeing data that should concern them? Well, the, uh, the interesting part of what we see now is that a lot of the data that the Fed uses and a lot of the Fed that economists are looking at, you know, tend to be lagging, tend to be sort of like lagging indicators of data. A lot of that, you know, whether it's, you know, inflation, whether it's unemployment, a lot of that is lagging. And I think what we see today is that a lot of the Fed tightening that has already happened hasn't really just gone into the economy just yet. So the early data that we see and the data dependent, whether it's housing, whether it's, you know, the, the sort of small changes what you have in terms of price of, say, autos, you know, that sort of suggests that the economic slowdown is there. However, on the flip side, unemployment and labor is strong, consumer, you know, spending is still strong. And I think, you know, when you combine those two, that seems to suggest that the Fed has a little more options and a little more time to actually continue to, uh, you know, work in their tiny process. These areas that are seeing the most pain, housing in particular, arguably the stock market too, largely by intent, are these the types of things where he'll look at and say, oh boy, this is worrisome, or he'll look at and say, okay, I'm on the right path, I need to keep going. 
Well, I think when he sees the resiliency, specifically on the consumer and on corporations, you know, earnings, you know, while they have not been, you know, um, you know, as strong as people expected, but I think they have been okay. And I think the the challenge is is becoming when you see corporate, you know, uh, America being strong balance sheets, is still having significant amount of cash. When you see the consumers is still having enough savings to be able to sustain a little bit more of these higher interest rates, even though you know that savings rate has started just to come down, you know, um, uh, quite a lot. Then you know he he think he thinks he might think he might have a little more time. Mm. Jobs uh, data this morning with ADP pretty strong. Seems like uh, the consumer still has quite a bit of support from the employment situation. Maybe they've gotten hit in some of their investments, but as we still do have some of that money lingering from COVID, where then do investors, where then do asset managers get the biggest bang for their buck right now? Do you pile back into indexes if you think that the Fed is gonna change any of this tone? Or as we saw the last month, you got the Dow beating the NASDAQ. You got small cap value doing things that many investors have hoped it would at this type of cycle for a long time. Do we get a different type of investing world whenever we do bottom out or maybe at least see some breakage in the market that doesn't require us to just dump money in index funds? What's the strategy and the plan? Well, the, 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 the biggest opportunity set right now is that, uh, unfortunately, because the 60-40 portfolio has not worked, and this has been you know, the worst year for a 60-40 portfolio, that all also opens the door for a lot of opportunities. When you actually think about investors looking for income, looking for higher yields, you know, something that we, we as an investment you know, industry haven't seen for decades. Now right. you basically have a significant amount of options, especially in the fixed income market where we didn't have the yields that we had before. So, you know, you don't have to sacrifice quality anymore. Like in the past, you know, decade, people actually need to go lower in the quality to try to get that income a little higher. Well, today, you know, in corporate bonds, when you see in different parts of the market, you actually have significant amount of opportunities that you have there. So there's a lot of opportunities in the in the fixed income market. There's a lot of also opportunities because valuations have come down. Now, the, the question whether or not the risk premium has actually evened it out, it's actually a big difference because what we have saw, what we have seen this year is that, you know, the fixed income portfolios have actually gone down faster than what it is the equity portion. And I think that component allows you to just continue to be disciplined about being balanced about the diversification you have in your portfolio. Mm -hmm. Now, the, the good news is that, you know, this idea of TINA, if you remember that sure. we have been working there no for, like, there's no alternative now to equities. Now there is. It's 4% on the 10-year. There's 4% on the 10-year, if you actually think <laughs> about there's, it, it, And it's, it's been quick, right? It's been so quick to actually get to that place. So, so our uh, suggestions and our recommendations recommendations continue to be to continue to stay disciplined, to continue to look at things that you can control. Things that you can control include fees, things that you can control continues to be a process that allows you to reduce your tax you know, liabilities, mm -hmm. especially in the middle of volatility, because volatility will continue to stay here. Yeah. You know, volatility is not going to go um, you know, away anytime soon. But the opportunities in active management have actually increased. You know, before the dispersion on the stocks was actually very tight, low volatility, the yes. lowest dispersion, you know, today, you know, the opportunity to find, you know, areas where you can generate excess returns, you know, is much higher than what it was before. Is that the main uh, thrust of what you expect to hear from uh, investors, advisors today from an asset management side? Is it about trying to find vehicles or uh, investors and active managers who have a record of performing or have a vehicle or a strategy that is going to be able to kind of thread that needle right now to both be cheap from uh, investing tax and fee perspective, but also offer some sort of alpha to the investor. 
It is, it, it is sort of like the, probably the most normal market we have seen in the last, you know, 15 years, where, you know, yes, there will be opportunities to rewards for any managers that can actually outperform. Mm -hmm. And anybody that can exploit those bigger dispersions that we see in the market, and that has a track record to be consistent and has a philosophy that applies to markets when there's inefficiencies to exploit. At the same time, when you think about portfolio construction and building an investment strategy that fits any client needs, it is the combination of looking for you know, that area that allows you to stay a course in the long term. And of course, that includes fees, that includes taxes, that includes style, that includes looking for the right risk profile. And that hasn't changed. What has actually changed is that there's more inefficiencies now in the market that could be exploitable, you know, in the medium term. Okay, great timing for uh, the I call it like the three Costco's of uh, financial advice here. It's huge. There's a, it's a massive space. We've got we've got a lot of good investors, uh, great minds like yourself to join us here to help us navigate it. Thanks a lot, Omar. Thank you for having me. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Omar Aguilar is the CEO and CIO at Schwab Asset Management.